2: Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho,
3: mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pile of thunder and rock and roll. And today, my very first guest ever on Talk is Jericho, Steve Austin, returns to the show 469 shows later. I guess. 468 shows later if he was on number one this is show 469 it's been a long time anyways Steve is the one who told me about podcasting introduced me to my old company podcast one who launched my show and of course like I said Steve was my first ever guest and he's back on talk is Jericho but this time it's a very specific topic We're talking about music. I've always had great conversations about music with Steve. He's a huge fan, Uh, not just his favorite bands and songs. We're talking about entrance themes, what it was like for Steve working in the sportatorium in Dallas, where the first entrance themes were used uh, in wrestling history. You hear what inspired Stone Cold's iconic entrance. Steve's also talking about his first concert, some of his favorite concerts that he's seen throughout the years. He's got a great story about what happened to him at a Motley Crue show in the eighties. We're rocking with Stone Cold Steve Austin coming up. Steve Austin, in stone cold rock and roll. Uh, getting ready to rock with Steve, and you can rock with Fozzie as well this summer. The Judas Rising Tour resumes July 12th at Rock USA in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Then we do the Cadot Rock Fest on the 13th, Peoria Riverfront in Peoria, Illinois on the 14th, and then Belvedere, Illinois on the 15th. Then we head across the pond over to Europe um, July 26th at the Pheasant Festival in Hungary. Then we're doing Prague, uh, Sebron, Germany, Zurich, Switzerland, Pinarella di Servia in Italy, Slo- the Valken Festival, Berlin, Bohem, uh the Leyendas de Rock Festival in Alicante, Spain, the Alcatraz Festival in Belgium, Bloodstock in uh, England, in Derbyshire. Go to fozzyrock.com for all information on how you can do VIP for those European shows and get tickets for those European shows. And after that, we come back to the States, start back up uh, August 24th in Atlanta, Georgia, at Smith's Old Bar, that's going to be a very cool, uh, uh, intimate gig, and then we head out with Adelita's way, Stone Broken, and the Stir, starting uh, in Huntsville on the 26th, and off we go. Go to FozzyRock.com for all information, uh, all VIP information, all ticket information. We're going all across America, man. Talking about Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Illinois, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, Missouri, Indiana. Ohio, Kentucky, North Carolina, West Virginia, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Come check it out at uh, FozzyRock.com. And don't forget your VIP packages, which are always a lot of fun. We play a little rock and roll show just for you. Meet you, greet you, everything in between. We also got the Rock Allegiance show in Camden, New Jersey, October 6th fozzy rock in the main stage at that one that's a huge festival and then of course just announced this week fozzy back in foz Australia and for the first time ever in New Zealand Auckland Melbourne Sydney Adelaide Brisbane from November 7th to November 14th so go check out fozzyrock.com for all ticket information and check out Talk is Jericho right now for some stone cold rock and roll with Steve Austin starting now right, I'm here at uh, 3, 316 Gimmick Street. There's is 317 Gimmick Street? We're 317,
2: next door, 316. <laughs>
3: You're close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with uh, with Steve Austin, and um, we just did a, a great episode of his podcast. And an idea that I've had for a while, it's been 400 and some episodes as we record this since you were on, you were my first guest ever. You hooked me up with the podcast scene, and I appreciate that. But I always wanted to talk to you about something that, that we've always you'll send me a text once in a while we've talked for years about music um it seems like you're very interested by music and very into it and you're always very inquisitive and curious as your dog uh callie's involved over here and wants to play with the ball but you you seem like you're a pretty big music fan without really being known as being a huge music fan
2: dude i'm crazy about music ever since uh man i just started listening to radio and you know, my dad was in a country western band, so I was you know to country music back in It wasn't that cool. Mm-hmm. But then you know, left my own devices. Just just found rock and roll, and then you know, grew up on a lot of uh, you know hip hop stuff, and stuff from Detroit. And dude, I just remember riding down the road. I mean, music was. If you're on the road in this business, and, and you know how it is when you first get in the wrestling business, and I'm out of it. Been out of it for a long time you're traveling down the road with a lot of guys. And so a lot of times you're just shooting a breeze, you're booking the territory, you're drinking. I mean, that's just straight up what was happening. And so you're not listening to music, but when I'm going down the road, man, I'd have Merle Haggard, George Jones, Conway Twitty, George Strait, Keith Whitley, you know, if I was in that country mode, or, you know, I'd have, you know, some Guns N' Roses, uh, Rage Against Machine was a big part of my, you know, WWF run, or, you know, some of the old stuff, you know, from the hip hop days, but, yeah, man. I've always been a music guy, so I don't know that people really know that about me. But, man, if like right now, in, in this little uh, garage right here, i got a power rack. Right now, I've just been really into Five Finger Death Punch.
3: Mm.
2: That, uh, that latest album they dropped has kind of been my go-to album right now. My Pandora right now is set on Boston. Mm-hmm. I, for, for, for me, at 53 years of age, I always wondered, Chris... Why my parents, you know, still listen to that old music? You know, they, they grew up listening. Why didn't they evolve with the new stuff?
3: Like Elvis or whatever they were yeah, into. Yeah,
2: yeah, and stuff older than that. And I was like, you know, now I'm kind of that guy. I'm still kind of trapped in really, really seventies, eighties, and nineties, and, and, and a little bit, and still the grunts because i was a big uh, Allison James fan. But long
3: winded answer, but yeah, I, I'm I'm music like a mother. I think that um, when you're talking about a band like Boston, I just saw them this summer, and the music is timeless because classic rock because there's not any bands playing that style that you always see a lot of younger kids there and obviously these guys are in their 60s and 70s but it still resonates it's just good time summer breeze beer drinking rock and roll
2: you know and brad dealt man when he he committed suicide and you know he was the voice of boston yeah you know and just like when they replaced steve perry from journey yeah they can find ways to do it the thing about Boston was as much as I loved them, you know, it was really the first three albums. Mm-hmm. But man when I when I go back on YouTube there's uh, yeah. one album, there's one song when they're playing a set in Giant Stadium, it's kind of sunlit, you know, it, it's pretty good. But just their live performances from what I've seen on YouTube just didn't really capture yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. They were such a studio band. Right. And the greatest sound and stuff, you know, I mean to this day, dude, like I said, my Pandora radio is on Boston radio, so mm-hmm. it's predominantly Boston songs filtered with stuff you know from that same genre.
3: But it's timeless. That, but that's the thing. You're, you're right. They, they're not great to watch on stage. And actually, there was a time after uh, a friend of mine, Michael Sweet, he's, he's singer of Striper. He was in Boston. He's awesome. And he looked cool. And at least he rocked. So when he was in the band, they had a little bit of you know rock and roll appeal. But then he left, and they got the guy who's from like Home Depot or something like that. And he looks like a guy who's from Home Depot <laughs> that they've just like kind of molded into a rock and roll star, quote unquote. Hey, dude, you use this uh, Michael Sweet. What was that band called? Why- Stripe Striper
2: striper yeah. god
3: dang man a
2: lot of people don't give those guys the credit
3: mm. they deserve they could rock absolutely they can rock and that was always something because they had the christian thing yeah the christian gimmick it kind of took away from the fact that they're great players and great michael sweet's one of the best singers you'll ever hear in rock and roll and you, you saw that when he was with boston to hit those big notes mm-hmm. like the brad Delp notes you know it's not easy to do
2: but i was into the, you know like uh my my wife is really into rush uh, Meshugga,
3: mm. back in
2: the day, um, you know, of course, Metallica, Megadeth. I mean, she's a concert goer, man.
3: She's been to is, you she, know, is she a dream theater fan too? Not,
2: okay, not so okay. much. Okay, I mean, she's not she's, super proud. Yeah, gotcha. Tool is probably her favorite band. Gotcha. So, man, I was always into the bands that you know, is like uh, you know, man, I can't even name them all anymore, Chris, but you know, Scorpions, Boston, you know, Def Leppard. Uh, man, I was a huge Great White fan. Really? Yeah, dude. J- j- just the, the stuff that was a little on the bluesy side. Yeah, but it, it was a little poppy or had a good hook. Mm-hmm. And all the bands that I named that my wife like Metallica, Megadeth. i mean, dude. I did those like crazy my go-to stuff is always something with a hook huge white snake fan
3: hmm you know what's funny about great white the first song i ever played in a band well the first was the theme from peter Gunn. Dun, 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 and, and another band by it's called trouble but it was stick it by great white and that yeah. was like at the time, like Great White was one of the first bands of that time frame, and they kind of disappeared, and then came back with like the rock me and the little more of the bluesy thing, which once again, very much a White Snake type of vibe as well. Did uh, did you like the '87 White Snake or Slow and Easy White Snake?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was good. Yeah. That was all. And, and going back to uh, Jesus Christ, uh, great white April Wine comes to mind, a great Canadian band.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah those
2: yeah. guys never... I mean, they had, they had a mini run, mm-hmm. but I just thought they should have had a, a better run than they did. Uh, but I, I, was, I was into White Snake from the get-go. Mm, really? Well, you know, talking about... I was a huge Iron Maiden fan, and I know right. you've been on around those guys a lot of your, your touring with Fozzie, mm-hmm. but I was... As soon as Dickinson came on, Mm -hmm. I wasn't a Wrathchild by... Who was the other lead? Baldiano. Yeah. (laughs) All due respect to him, dude, when Bruce Dickinson came in, I was on board.
3: (laughs) He just did my show uh, this week.
2: Hey, dude, how are those those two guitarists? Uh, Adrian Adrian Smith and uh, and Dave Dave Murray? uh, I get their names mixed up. But dude, those guys, the twin guitarists... Mm-hmm. signature sound and uh steve harris is probably my, one of my favorite bass players mm-hmm. and the dude beating the drums is badass but i don't know the twin guitars the bass guitar and doesn't steve
3: harris write most of their shit he does but bruce and adrian smith write a lot of stuff too, okay. together like the tandem but to go back and what you're saying so you, you your dad was in a country rock band country country western, history, band. country western band
2: yeah he sold insurance for 11 he played in a country western band on what did Fridays he play he played lead guitar wow he played a lot of you know, a lot of old school chords mm-hmm. and he was pretty nimble back in the day yeah, my dad, you know, he was born in, what, I think, 37, he's 81, and he grew up in a small town, and, uh, you know, he was kind of the stud athlete in town, and he taught himself how to play guitar. Mm. And he played a Gibson, I think it was 57 or 58, Gibson Birdland, kind of hollow-bodied. Yeah, the bigger guitar. guitar, yeah. And that's what he played, and he had a, a custom, you remember the old custom amps mm-hmm. with the K? And uh, when I tried to play guitar, you know, I'd plug into that thing. Uh, guitar didn't work for me. I tried to play bass guitar. I went down to the music store in Victoria, Texas, and there was a blind guy that ran the store. I can't remember his name. I don't know how he ran the store being blind, but <laughs> my dad knew him very well. He goes, hell, Steve. If you don't want to try to play this, you know, six-string guitar, maybe try try bass guitar. And I'm figuring, hey, four strings, it'll be easier. I'll give it a shot. (laughs) So I go down there. I get the bass guitar. It was a Sunburst. I can't remember the brand. Paid two hundred seventy-five dollars for it, and I made payments on that thing, Chris. And dude, when you're, I think I was probably fifteen, whatever. You buy a $275 guitar, that's a commitment.
3: <laughs> and I
2: made every single payment on that son of <laughs> bitch. And I paid it all, but I didn't learn how to play it. And here's the thing. Talking about... uh. You know, going back to music, I was a huge Cool and the Gang fan mm-hmm. about the time Ladies' Night came out. You know how it started? Dip, dip. <laughs> <laughs> those two notes was the only thing I could play on a bass guitar. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that was it. Couldn't play the rest. It had a funky bass line. And of course, being a huge, uh, you know, Funkadelic fan, you know, Bootsy Collins. Yep. You know, some of those badass bass players, Red Hot Chili Peppers and mm-hmm. that I like. Ripley. With Flea on that damn, on that damn bass. So... Yeah, man, I
3: have no damn music talent. Well, here's a funny story that you got three WWE world champions who were bass players. You... Hulk Hogan and Chris Jericho. That's why I said. <laughs> did to you team. play bass? Yeah, my high school band. I was a bass player. Oh, we were, dude, I didn't know you played no espionage. Yeah. You sang? No, we were called Scimitar, which is like a, a curved <laughs> yeah. Sinbad sword, you know. And uh, I was a bass player, singer, and all we did was Iron Maiden and Metallica songs, and no one else would sing, so I sang and played bass at the same time. I thought I could play the songs right. I probably played them, you know, sixty percent right of what Steve Harris was doing, but it sounded close enough. So, yeah, I was a bass player, too. Yeah, that's there you cool, go. man. I yeah. just
2: hooked up with a guy. I was down there in Reno. And, uh, well, here's the story. I was a huge Tesla fan. Mm-hmm. Those guys were, were, I, you know, they were great.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Great rock and band. And so
2: uh, uh, one of the guys uh, sent me an email that was, uh, I think it's from the record label. And Frank Hannon, mm-hmm. you know, one of the guitar Guitar course. player, yeah. And so he, he, I was trying to get him on the podcast. And, dude, we just lost contact a couple of years later. The guy sent me another email. And I said, well, okay, let we'll see if we can hook up. He lives in Sacramento. I said, man, I'm not going to be in Sacramento anytime soon, but I'll be in Reno. And he sent me another email. He goes, hey, dude, he was just kind of thinking about it. There's a guy in, in Reno who has a guitar shop called Bizarre Guitars. He's got a lot of badass, valuable guitars. And he's sold guitars to everybody. And he's also an accomplished guitar player himself. He might have some good stories. You might enjoy talking to him. Hmm. So I did. And he's got a band called the Greg Golden Band. And the dude is a damn good guitar player, but he's good friends with Frank Hannon. He produces a lot of their songs. So when Tesla's not on the road, you know, he does some stuff with the Greg Golden Band. And they said, hey, man, we were thinking about cutting a song, and what about you playing a bass? We'll teach you how all you gotta do is put in the time and it's like deja vu all these years later. At fifteen, I'm trying to play the bass guitar 275 money wasted on a sunburst bass guitar, and at 53 I got my chance to be a rock and roll star. <laughs> All I got
3: to do is go out on a limb and grab it, Chris. <laughs> There's a, a great Spinal Tap song called Big Bottom where they have like everyone in the band plays bass. I can just see now you, me, Hogan, all <laughs> playing bass on a song. But that's correct. That's, so, so you tried the bass and uh, singing, not good at singing. No, dude, you know, you know I can't sing. Right, right, right. Yeah. There's a great story. You got to tell it again the famous one about your brother when you were. Uh, oh,
2: man. Uh, growing up, man, I was a huge Kiss fan. I know you are as well. Yeah. Had every single album, loved every single member I wish Peter and Ace would have stayed as straight as Paul and Gene, you know, and got to yeah, get yeah, more yeah. money. Right. But anyway, I had my headphones on, and you know, man, I was in there singing Shock Me, you know, Ace's song. Make <laughs> me feel better. Shock me. And all of a sudden, man, I'm singing my ass off. And this was me and me and, all me and my brother sharing a room. And I'm just sitting there, dude, I'm jamming. I'm I'm Ace really. I'm singing mm-hmm. like a mother right and boy just my brother just bitch slapped my damn headphones right off my head we were 10 months apart in age yeah we fought like cats and dogs every single day i won 99.9 percent of <laughs> the time boy he slapped those headphones off my you know i was pretty tough back then chris i jumped off that goddamn chair i said boy what are you, I was like, what are you doing he goes take those headphones off and listen to yourself you sound like shit <laughs> I mean, I kind of like, goddamn. damn, that was kind of a rude awakening, kind of took me out of my zone. And so sure enough, I took the headphones off and listened to myself saying, shock me. <laughs> I sucked ass. Jeez. And that, that dude right there, that crushed me. I knew that I wasn't going to front a rock and roll band. And that's probably when I started trying to play the guitar and the bass. Did you ever see Kiss live at that point in time? No, I never seen Kiss live. Like I said, uh, you know, we did a previous podcast. We did my show. I've seen uh, Motley Crue a couple of times. Uh, shit, I've been to a couple of OzFest, you know, mm. as as Black Label, seeing Zach Wild. Right. I uh, used to hang out in the hotel with him before. Uh, but no, dude, I never saw Kiss. I was never really – the only time, as a matter of fact, uh, the time I tried to go see Kiss, they were playing like wherever it is. I think they were playing the Summit in Houston, Texas. We used to wrestle there before. You know, they got a new bill and Joel Osteen now runs out of the Summit. And Kiss was going to be in concert. This is my only chance to go see him. It's 100 miles away. And dude, my dad was old school. He's from the country and he played country music. I said, Dad, will you take me and Kevin to go see the Kiss concert? He go, well, Steve, i think about it. Well, my dad says he's going to think about it. 85% of chance, it's probably going to be a no. (laughs) Anyway, so he wouldn't drive us hundred miles and just hang around for a couple of hours. So I have never seen him kiss <laughs> and concert. I,
3: I got got the heisman stuff for him on that. Who was your uh, your, your first concert? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, it
2: was it was Axe in Heaven. Oh, yeah, two two. I mean, just kind of. This was dude. This was going back. When did whenever uh, what, what was this? The Motley Crue album.
3: Shout of the Devil?
2: Shout the Devil. Right. But they actually had an album before that, right?
3: Uh, uh, Too Fast for Love. Exactly. Right.
2: So anyway, this is this is around that time. And when I saw those those guys, I graduated high school in 83. I was still in high school. I was 81, 82, I'm guessing. That's it. Axe <laughs> in heaven. Here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, they weren't bad. <laughs> so anyway, we're sitting there. Me and my brother, Axe in heaven, are playing. Dude, I'm just a kid, right? In high school. I think I'm cool, right? I'm kind of, you know hair medium shirt on I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying to throw out the jacks and this dude behind me you know he, he, he's rocking and he, he keeps hitting my back with his shoe and I'm like you know I'm pretty tough and so like I look around this dude I said dude, what the fuck are you doing and he, he was just just pounding the beers pounding the beers and I like god damn I just got to put up with it right 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 sure enough Motley Crue hits the stage. You're about three songs in. This, summits it's just up chucks all over my back. <laughs> Dude, it's like someone just poured a you know, three-gallon bucket of liquid beer. Just bile, Warm. Yeah, yeah, come out of the dude's gut. <laughs> all on my back. I said, God damn, what the f- Throwing you got up and ripped off my shirt all of a sudden i stand up take off my shirt i'm not taking off my shirt to be a badass or to flex <laughs> i got beer all over me that had been in this guy's belly here's a security guard what's going on here so i couldn't get no revenge mm-hmm. so i said nothing you yeah, know whatever so then as cheap as i am today i went to the gimmick stand and bought me a motley Crue t-shirt because i had to <laughs> there you go put some
3: money in Vincent <laughs> Nikki's pocket when you're talking about um uh, and you mentioned like i know you kind of started in dallas at the sportatorium right and wasn't wasn't that kind of one of the first territories that used music that, as, as ring music for the guys from what
2: i understand it is because you know michael hayes i, I think they, they were saying they were one of the first bands to uh you know use Freebird: Yeah, yeah it
3: wasn't uh tom sawyer carrie von eric's
2: oh theme? dude man uh yeah it was Tom Sawyer.
3: modern day warrior
2: um uh, But here's the thing, when they started running that music at the sports I was playing football at North Texas State University, you know, pretty jacked up. I was a linebacker, we side defensive end, long blonde hair. Man, when they hit Stranglehold from Ted Nugent, another guy who was a big fan of back in the day, uh, when, when Stranglehold came on, mister, I mean, you talk about... And, and you know, Tom Sawyer or whatever, care was coming out to... Who was Stranglehold's
3: theme? Kevin. Oh.
2: Yeah, when dude, when, when Strangle could you know, that, that classic yeah. guitar riff down, at the top, down. that's yeah. Ted. Man, when that shit hit, it, it, shit was on. Mm. And Kevin came down there barefooted, and, you know, the Freebirds, God dang, when the Freebirds came out there... Chris, you can appreciate this because you're a showman. And, and and I don't know, like in today's generation, you know, when the Freebirds went into the Hall of Fame, you know, it was way past due. Mm-hmm. And Michael wasn't the greatest technical wrestler in the world, but you talk about a guy who's going to go out there and, and you believed in him. Yeah, yeah. God, he was a piece done, of right. trash. You talk about a heel. It would come time to get the heat. He hit that main streak. Dude, it was worth the price of admission. You know, everybody talks about the Confederate flag, whatever. He had that big-ass red robe with Confederate flag on the back of it, and he got on that damn second turnbuckle and started gyrating his hips and flipping his hair around. His entrance was worth the, the 10 bucks I paid to mm-hmm. get in. And then the, the match between them and the Freeburgs, uh, the match between them and the Von Erics was damn near a shoot. Mm-hmm. you know, because they were real snug and right, stiff because right, right. they had an agreement and uh it was really electric here's a story so i'm working at sportatorium right i but just come out of chris adams wrestling school been wrestling for two months mm-hmm. friday nights we ran a live show and then a saturday morning was a tv taping that they played that saturday night live to tape on KTVT. so I, i've been out of wrestling school for i've been in wrestling school for five months been in the business for two months all the hills coming in from Tennessee, this is when Jarrett bought the territory from Von Eric, mm-hmm. So it's now USWA and the hills are coming there, py Chu high, all those guys and they're beating the shit out of me with kendo sticks and weightlifting belts because I'm just white meat baby face with a pretty <laughs> good physique, right? Yeah. So anyway, after two months of that, I figure, hell, I got to be ready, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was still driving a forklift working on a freight dock. I asked old Jerry Jarrett, I said, hey man, when do you think I can start working full time? He goes, hell, Steve, I think you're ready now. Psh, hell, I loaded up my Hyundai Excel and headed off to Tennessee. And so anyway, long story short, everybody's heard half my shit to begin with, but I'm living at the Congress, and it's a shit box. They let me pay whenever I can because I ain't got no money, but they knew you know, that I was good for my word, and they really took care of me. And then, you know, as a green baby face going into a regional territory, we're working the same towns every single week, same towns. You you know, you get your chops up pretty good Mm -hmm. because you got to change your shit up. Right. And I was green as grass and working with some great veterans and riding with some great veterans. Listen to them tell me about psychology. So here i am green as grass decent physique but as i started star- starving i started losing weight i used to do push-ups before the matches to get a little bit of a pump because at least if i was going to stink the joint out in the ring, at least i <laughs> wanted to look good when i got there
3: right
2: and so mm-hmm. i remember i said man i gotta have a theme song and so on a, a little gimmick recorder i recorded unchained <laughs> And what I, I used Jamie's crying in Dallas, but there I used Unchained, and you know how Unchained starts yeah. with that with yeah. the cool Van Halen room. Yeah. and Van Halen goes yeah. back to one of those lists I was, you know, big into. Says so I, I gave it to uh, what was the guy's name, Buddy Wayne, or is the son of Buddy Wayne, whatever. Ken Wayne. Ken Wayne. Yeah. I said, man, I said, uh, when I come out, can you play this uh, music for me? And he looked at me like I was the biggest piece of shit that ever been in a <laughs> damn territory. He goes, don't you know that you got to have some ring time before you walk to the ring with ring music? I mean, he really chewed my ass out. <laughs> but I was like, man, I'd really appreciate it if you could play this music for. Me. And you know, of course, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But dude, when that Dan and that thing when yeah. Unchained started with that guitar, dude, I would I would come out the ring, chest all <laughs> swole out. You're a pretty good looking kid back yeah, then, right? Twenty four yeah, yeah. years of age. But yeah, that was my interest theme. And I, figured, wow. hey, everybody else does. it. But you know, as you know, Chris. This business is survival of the fittest or uh, it's a dog eat dog world. You better go in and get your bite on. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was green as grass, but I was already learning the system. If you don't look out for yourself, right. ain't nobody gonna look out for you. And that's one of the things I learned.
3: Well, and it's it, it, it's so interesting when you talk about also how important good ring music is, because it puts you in the the mood and the vibe and the mindset of what the character is. Yeah. You know, I did a thing in my last book where I went through all of my ring uh, songs that I used, and it was yeah, you know, I used. Tease Me, please Me by the Scorpions, and I used...
2: Dude, hold on, hold on, let me cut you off. I saw your list. You got a great list of yeah. songs that you used to come up with, but I said, you got heat on me on the first one, Unskinny Bop. <laughs> What in the... I don't know
3: what your show's rated. What in the F UK were you thinking? Are you taking your hat off and throwing it against the corner <laughs> yeah. if you're wearing one? Here's what happened. So at the time, my first... Um, as I was driving to wrestling school from Winnipeg to Calgary, I got to Calgary and Poison, Flesh and Blood came out. It was their new record. And I still remember it was $7.99 and there was no tax at the time. So I actually got a penny back when I gave them eight bucks. And Unskinny Bop was the big hit at the time. And it starts with, like, vroom, bum, 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 Kind of for a young guy. Poison was kind of cool at the time. But the one time I used it, I still don't know how this happened. I remember Strathmore, Alberta. And they put it on, and it played backwards. I still don't know why. And I remember I was waiting for my sauna to play. It was like, zip, new, zip, new, zip, new, zip new. So I had to go to the ring
2: <laughs> with- <laughs>
3: you done have the joint out before you could stink the joint out. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But when you're talking about theme songs, for, and we'll get back into all the bands and stuff, but it just kind of hit me, you're about iconic theme songs. Yeah. Yours is one of them. Now, Jim Johnson, I think you just had him on your show. He just recently got let go. Uh, he also wrote Break the, Wall, Break the Walls Down for me. What was the process in coming up with your ring music?
2: Man, I told him a bunch of times, but I'll, I'll give it to you because you know, I was coming out with that slow-ass you know, ringmaster shit, mm-hmm. of that stone, whatever it was, it was bad. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever wrote it, it was bad. Or, you know, it wasn't bad, it didn't fit.
3: Yeah, you but weren't that feeling way. it.
2: And so anyway, come up with Stone Cold thing, and then finally said, you know, it's time to change his ring music up. And so I had a conversation with Jim Johnson, went down there to the studio. And, you know, back in the day, you know, Chris, I was pretty hands-on. You know, you got to be.
3: Everything, yeah. And
2: so, man, I walked in there, and I had a CD uh, handed to Jim Johnson, man. I said, man, it's called uh, Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. And I played it, you know, da-da, da-da, da-da. you know, and it starts off, sorry about the, the sound effects that come out of my <laughs> mouth, but uh, that's stereo, <laughs> he got it. And uh, so I, I don't think Magic in music sounds anything like it, but it was inspired by mm. that. And man, I tell you what, the way he come up with that glass breaking, I don't know how he come up with that idea when he looped in that siren, I don't know how or why he put that in, a stroke of genius or luck or whatever it was that happened, magic. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes things just happen like they do. And I pitched him that song. i he, We listened to it together and he came up with that. And I give him all the credit in the world. I inspired it with their song, my idea, but his total creation of Fluke Dude. Because you've been around and you've seen the reactions when that glass breaks. Yeah, I had to get over to get those reactions. But it's just the perfect music for the perfect setup, for the perfect pop, for any kind of dire situation or circumstances. God damn that story. Mm. That's right when we need Stone Cold. So music is important. Very much so. And I love your song, Yeah, Break the Walls Down. And yeah. We talked about the whole can on my show, but you had a great song
3: as well. Well, and I, there was times when I wanted to change it. One time I got Zach, uh, Zach Wilde to do a, a, a modern version of it, which Vince hated. Um, and at one point I wanted to use an Avenged Sevenfold song called Nightmare, which was pretty cool, fit in with this end of the world, as you know it gimmick that I was doing. And Vince said, no, you, your song is evergreen. Like You're coming yeah. out to that song for the rest of your career. And he's right because it, actually I came out to Judas in the Tokyo Dome and that was cool because that's a real cool ring music song too. And it was actually a little bit liberating to come out not to break down the walls, but there's just something like you said with the glass breaking, if you smell what the rock is cooking, break the walls down. People know exactly what's going to happen the second before it actually right. does. And it really gets, it gets me into character. You know, I remember one time they had Saliva do a, a King of My World, it was called. I didn't feel it. I didn't want to use it. I remember I even said that, and that kind of hurt their feelings. But this is not Chris Jericho music.
2: No, it wasn't. But I, Saliva was on fire there for about a year. They or two. were. They were. They had a good sound, a good look, and then they were gone.
3: Well, and, and you remember back, I don't know if they ever do that with you, and we do collaborations with different people. Did, did they ever have somebody do a version of your Ring music? Yeah, uh,
2: man, Disturbed did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, right. It, uh, man, I came out with that for a pretty good while. And uh, some people, that, that's their favorite version. Some people like the classic version. Uh, I can't remember if that's when I went heel or not. I don't mm. really remember. But, yeah, there was a couple of different... Uh, there might have been about three different versions of it.
3: Because the Stone Cold Steve Austin character was very popular around that time with a lot of music. I mean, Kerry King used to wear Austin 316 shirts all the time. Were you a Slayer fan? How did you become aware of that?
2: No, man, I, I'd heard of Slayer. Slayer. They, they were a little fast for me. I mm-hmm. like, uh, you know... Uh, I like a lot of their stuff, but I can of listen to them all day now. Mm-hmm. But when you see a guy like Kerry King, you know, coming from one of the heaviest bands out there on the big four,
3: yeah.
2: uh, and I, I really dig them. But, yeah, it's, it's really cool when you see your T-shirt on a guy who – you talk to Kerry a lot, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart dude. Very smart. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, uh, so when, he's when a guy, not what
3: you think he's going to be by his no, persona. He plays no. a gimmick, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That dude's smart. So when a, when a guy's in a position that he is and he's rocking your shit, mm-hmm. you're over.
3: When you talked about earlier, you mentioned that when you go travel with guys, was there certain guys that you traveled with quite frequently? Like, did you travel with DDP for a while or oh, Nash? Oh,
2: man, yeah, yeah. Me and Nash, were uh, we were a pretty good traveling team. Me, Billy Gunn, Bart Gunn was the team back in the day. Me, Flying Brian. And Raven. You know, so, what kind trying.
3: of music would you put on? Like for like for Pillman, would you listen to music with him? You know,
2: no, man, but I can't because we were this comedy trio. Me, him, and Scott Levy were always <laughs> <these> bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're yeah. telling jokes. We're booking the territory. Brian's back there reading his vocabulary books. Me and Raven are trying to pop each other. You know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, dude's yeah. wonderful.
3: So funny, yeah.
2: And so he, he's a, a very good friend. So, we, we wouldn't really listen to music, but I always remember. Most times I was in the car. Every now and then, I'd let Kevin play some stuff. As I remember it, I was always a radio guy because most time I drove, there's very few people that I trust to have a wheel in their hands. Billy Gunn was one. Kevin was one. I wouldn't let Mick drive. He knows this. I wouldn't let DDP <laughs> drive. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys. I'm I'm the steering wheel guy, mm-hmm. and since I'm driving or whatever, that's my radio. Right, that's right,
3: right. It yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So
2: well, most times we was booking territory. But, <laughs> but like I said, dude, you know, towards the back end of my career when I was running solo and I could – Totally be the lone wolf. It was it was all the things depending on where my head was at. If I was trying to think of a t-shirt idea, man, I'm rocking some heavy metal. I'm looking at billboards, and this mm. is back in the fanny pack days. I always had, along with a lot of stuff in my fanny pack, I had uh, paper and a pen. And as I rode down the road, and this is this is when I like to travel at night. I don't like to travel at night anymore, but we always did after the show. Right, mm-hmm, right. So if I was driving down the road and I was listening to some lyrics of a song and something grabbed me, I'd write it on paper before hmm. I for, forgot it. Or if I saw a billboard, before I could for, forget my idea, I would write it down on a piece of paper because I was every day,
3: 24-7, thinking about the next T-shirt. Was there any that you can remember of lyrics that you used on a shirt? No, no, yeah. no. I
2: mean, it's like right now. You know, like I'm, I'm rocking that... Uh, five finger death punch in there war is the answer and that's just in in a workout mood right now I mean war is I'm not talking (laughs) universally I'm talking about just just right now I trained heavy deadlift and bent over rows today and that shit was blaring and that fired me up and so it's the perfect workout song because it fits the frame of mind that Stone Cold Steve Austin was in when he walked to the ring Mm -hmm. so I need that same kind of feeling or or, I I like to feel music as well as listen to it if I don't feel music I don't think it's the the right music for me Mm -hmm. and that could be whether it's a you know heavy metal country or a for air supply song Mm
3: -hmm. right you know what I mean I agree good music is good music it does I always say like you could take a Slayer song and have it sung by a a doo-wop band it would still be good a good song and a good melody works whether it's air supply or whether it's Metallica right you know I was I
2: was watching a, a show the other day well it was many years ago but they were like comparing like two great bands and, and, and man, I don't know if it was one of the guys from Metallica or not, but he was, to make a point, he was like, like Metallica is a great band, Air Supply is a great, great band. They both sing different kinds of music, but they're both equally good bra- uh, mm-hmm. bands. It all depends on what you like.
3: Right, and what mood you're in as yeah. well. I was never a Pink Floyd guy as a kid because, once not. again, I wasn't, you know, maybe you had to be a drug guy or whatever. Now, older, I can really understand what they're doing. And if in a certain mood, I'll put on Pink Floyd if I'm a little mellow, but it's, it's really interesting stuff. But as a young guy, I didn't get it because it wasn't rocking enough.
2: Dude, you know who that has happened with to me? because uh, Pink Floyd, still, now I can appreciate some of the, you know, what's the guitar player's name?
3: Roger, or no, David Gilmore. David Gilmore.
2: Yeah. Kind of a guitar guy kind of guy. Now I can appreciate some of their stuff. A band that I really missed out on, a dude that had an epic voice, was uh, The Who. Mm. And I was like, you you, you had, you know, what was, what was The Who? Rod, uh,
3: Roger Daltrey. Okay,
2: not The Who, it was... Uh,
3: what song they do?
2: These eyes. Oh, Burton Cummings and yeah. the guess who. The guess who? That's from, what I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba. From Winnipeg, yeah. Yeah. Man, dude, what a voice in all these years and I'm in that garage lifting my weights and all of a sudden I'm like dude what did you miss out
3: on all these years <laughs> right
2: and and they, there's a big crossover there with bachman turner overdrive mm-hmm. well yeah because was randy, randy
3: bachman, bachman. Right. was in the actually so it, actually had bachman on talk is jericho oh how was he yeah he was amazing like really guys from,
2: articulate guy yes. very
3: smart and guys from that from that era the seven he never drank he never smoked weed but I the stories so. that they have um he told a great story about uh, uh not taking care of business with the other one you ain't seen nothing yet it was a throwaway track they needed another song on the album the producer said what's that one that's just a shitty demo don't bother i like it put it on can I at least re-record it no it's out of tune the lyrics are made up on the spot and it's their first number one song wow you know the, the stories of that yeah you know because music is a lot like wrestling and once again you talk about stone cold Steve Austin. it was a lot of timing was involved and timing is so important in, in rock and roll and music as well
2: man it is and then and, and, uh, i i think when you think about it, like a guy like a uh, superstar billy graham Okay, when they made the DVD set uh, on him in WWE, 20 years too soon or 20 years ahead of his time, whatever yeah, the name yeah, was. Yeah, it was called, yeah. He was. Yeah. I just wonder, you know, a lot of bands, well, first of all, let's just say he had a real successful heel run. Mm-hmm. And then I think that superstar Billy Graham could have kind of been the first Snow Cold Steve Austin from just kind of like a, a, a tweener guy, because as a heel, he was out there flexing and stuff, dude, at first, you know, when he was working with Dusty and all those matches, he had a legit heat. But then he became so cool, it's like hard to hate him because right. he's so entertaining. Right. Oh, uh, now he's tan, he's got these cool tight eyed uh tights, and he's jacked up yeah. and he talks really talk, cool. Yeah. So what is there really to hate about this guy? So I think if Vince Sr. would have just transitioned him rather than beating him with Backland, boy, what a babyface run that could, that guy could have had, but it would have been within that same you know parameters yeah parameters and he would have been the first on cold
3: mm-hmm that's you're right you're talking about guys that could really like a, I was thinking who would be like the superstar Billy Graham of, of music and I always go back to David Lee Roth the guy could talk He looked great was he the greatest singer no but he was perfect for the band that he was in you mentioned you used Unchained were you a big Van Halen and Roth oh, fan
2: huge Van Halen fan and then uh because you know yeah, the OU eight one two stuff and the Sammy stuff. Yeah, oh, dude. I I loved uh, the, you know, a lot of that Sammy stuff. Fifty one fifty. Going back to his days with uh Mon- Montrose. Montrose. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge uh, Sammy Hager fan. Mm-hmm. So I liked a lot of the stuff that that uh Van Hager made. But, yeah, man, I was heavy duty on the Van Halen when I list off some of my top bands. You know, they're they're right in there with the Scorpions and the other guys. And, dude, I was a big Triumph fan as well, another Canadian band. Yeah. Dude is, is like you said, the one at end of that one Rush documentary – the guy's dad looked over and said, "Man, for three guys, they can make a lot of noise." <laughs> no, yeah, another just a trio band, but yeah, tri- tri- power just trio, a, just a great song, a gr- great man, and great songwriters.
3: What uh, the, the, the talk about the Scorpions a bit? Do you think they're underrated in the overall pantheon,
2: dude? No, because if you talk about anybody that's still going, I mean, like Nita Strauss, who's I mm-hmm. guess she's now talking to Cooper's, yeah. uh, Guitars. She was on my show. I mean, like, you know, everybody. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, who was, uh, who was the blonde-headed uh, lead singer from years ago that everybody thought was really hot?
3: Uh, from a band? Yeah. God dang,
2: she was a lead singer. Anyway, I, my, my point Lita is. Dude, Ford? Yeah, mm-hmm. Lita Ford? Yeah. Lita Ford. Every, she's a big Scorpions fan, and like what it, well, it was a Scorpions documentary that I was watching. But dude, anybody that there was anybody in the music scene, mm-hmm. I mean, with them dudes running along the stage like they was putting on the show, and uh, that they did, and uh, Klaus with that damn I mean, the voice that he had, and uh, this was uh, it would be post. What was the first uh, Shinker guy that was a guitar? Michael. Yeah, this was
3: with. Uh, Matthias Jabs. Matthias Jabs
2: and Rudolph. Rudolph, yeah. So, yeah, Man the Scorpions were at the very top of my list.
3: You know, it's funny because um, I just saw them recently, and they got Mickey D from Motorhead now on drums, and it's like a brand-new band. I mean, they've always been good, but now they have a great drummer. And you see, like, Rudolph, he's like 68, but he's still ripped up. And, you know, those guys always, like, looked cool, even though—and we'll get into this in a second— they all had pretty bad hair. Like, you know, Klaus had a hat on. Yeah. Matthias just has a hat on. But it didn't matter with the scores because they were so over-the-top German and they just looked and sounded and acted like they were having the best time ever.
2: Uh, man, I, I dug them and uh, they did try to, you know, start mm-hmm. kind of kayfaving, you know, the, the hair going <laughs> south. But, dude, I was uh, also a huge fan. Of, what was that? Uh, Balls to the Wall, the other band. Except, yeah that's that's my memory man except uh, was another big band for mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. different i i thought man these guys are really good they should have an equal run as the scorpions but not even close
3: yeah the singer wasn't as good and they weren't as accessible uh and like i said too it weren't as cool like in the 80s you, we talked earlier about T, about how they were a great rock and roll band but they didn't have the look and they lost kind of some of their rawness when they came into the 80s and a lot of bands fell into that trap Oh, dude,
2: I'm glad you said that because it reminds me of one of the uh, bands that you came, the songs that you came out to, Firehouse. Mm. They won what, Album of the Year, Band of the Year, right when Grunge was kind of taking over. And then they were gone. Dude, those guys, I mean, if you like that kind of music, bluesy with a beat and a hook, those that's, dudes were badass. That first, guy could sing his ass. Oh, up. yeah.
3: The first Firehouse record is, is classic. Yeah. Every song is good. But there Shake was,
2: and tumble, brother. <laughs> I used to play that for half my, before half
3: my podcast, I play shake and tumble. And to some people, that might be hokey as shit. It's a great tune. Name, good hooky, hooky tune. Oh, yeah. And that's there was a bad time around that that time. I, I just did, I do this thing on my show called Classic Album Clash. We'll all compare, like I did Master of Puppets versus Ride the Lightning. And I just did um, uh, Nevermind versus In Utero. Nirvana with Big Cass and Cena's uh, trainer down in Tampa and I got back into the Nirvana vibe and I remember I just I hated them when it first came up because it, it was killing my music you know and you're a rock guy how did you feel when, when grunge kind of started becoming more
2: well hot? I dug some of the grunge because I was really into Alice uh, yeah. Soundgarden had a couple songs this one Cornell mm-hmm. uh, they were pretty epic Pearl Jam that first album 10 whatever it was that was awesome but then uh, the Nirvana, they had a couple of, and they were, they kind of blew up more than all of them.
3: Oh, they were the biggest one. Yeah, yeah.
2: before Kurt, you know, offed himself. You know, wish he was still here. Mm-hmm. And then Lane Staley, OD, Jesus Christ, and, uh, Mark Star, or, or what's his name, Mike Starr, Mike Star, the bassist. Star,
3: yeah, yeah, and, uh, Wyland now from yeah, Stone Temple Pilots, exactly. and then uh, Cornell, Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone. All those guys passed away.
2: But I, I dug those bands. But I, all of a sudden, it's like, dude, music as we know it is. It, from that point on, it was gone. Mm-hmm. It's like, like today, man. I still like. This was a couple of years ago when Nickelback was still hot. And well, it might be more than a couple. It might be seven years ago. And a lot of people just hate on Nickelback yeah. so bad. And I'm like, dude. I mean, for straight down the middle, just rock and roll. They're 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 hitting it about as well as
3: anybody. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people really hate those guys, but man, I was a big Nickelback well, fan. Well, the same thing happened with Creed. When Creed was really popular, suddenly everyone turned their back on him. I never understood that. Like Did it was, Scott Stepp get heat or what? Oh, huge heat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But still, he sold 40 million records and no one will admit to having one. I know. I don't understand how that works.
2: Yeah, you know? but uh, but going, yeah, going back to you know, Nickelback was kind of straight down. I'm like, man, where's all the bands like this? And these days when I see the, uh, dude, I'm old school. You know, I'm an older guy when i see the awards and i'm seeing the rock and roll bands i'm just not seeing you know what i grew up with and i guess i identify so strongly with that i don't i <clears throat> I try to live in the present. It's 2018. I know that, but mm-hmm. my musical preference, other than you know, Five Finger really got me hooked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's one or two other bands out there, but I just can't
3: find anything new that I, I'm really into. So who's some of your go to then? Like you mentioned, and you said Rage Against the Machine, but is there other bands like you mentioned, Motley Crue? Do you still listen to a lot of that stuff? No, man. I you know that that I'll,
2: I'll, uh depend. I,
3: I I used to like the Bullet Boys. I thought the Bullet Boys could have had a bigger, b- bigger
2: run than they had. Right on. And uh, the uh,
3: first album is really good. Yeah hard as a rock hard as a rock yeah yeah.
2: Yeah, man so uh, I'll put on Bullet Boys radio uh, I'll put on Rush radio uh, but there's not a there's not a oh man I got a I got a copy in my pickup truck it's Pantera doing a copy of uh Stranglehold. Oh, song. I've never heard that. Jesus Christ. It's only it's one song on a CD. So it's Pantera doing Stranglehold. And boy, <laughs> Dive hits that son of a bitch, and yeah. they launch into it, and it yeah, fills yeah. on fire. And I'll send it to you just so you can. Yeah, i never it. heard it. But that that is still in my truck, and I got a little system in my truck, and I will thump at some bitch. And I'm the kind of guy when I like a song, I will play <laughs> it over and over and over again, and it drives my wife crazy.
3: <laughs> have you ever met Vinnie Vinny at all? Vinnie Paul from Pantera? No, no, I never met him. Seemed like guys. a Texas guy. Yeah. They're all they've yeah. come to our, a couple of our shows and stuff. Yeah. How about the Ted Nugent? you have a great Ted Nugent story? No, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't uh, even know why I remember that. I just when you said Nugent, I'm like, wait, you have a Nugent story? Yeah, man, I went to. We, we was hunting in South
2: Texas, and he was going to be in Kerrville. And uh, so I say, hey, man, you want to go over and meet Ted? And I said, yeah, man, that'd be cool. So I loaded up my pickup truck, went over, there and sat around the fire drinking. You know, Ted don't drink, allegedly. And
3: uh, was he just hanging out? He just hangs out and hunts. He's big hunter,
2: you know. And he sang a couple songs. And then he teased that he was going to sing one of his big hits. And he put his guitar up, and I was like, man. He was, just, he was just railing on everybody. And mm-hmm. I was like, God dang, man. I said, just, just, can't we just hang out and just shoot the breeze a little bit? Is it all got by. Now that you done talking about you, uh, I'll talk about you.
3: <laughs> I remember you said he was just playing like Kumbaya and stuff, and you were asking, can you play Stranglehold? Yeah, I mean, The Legend of Fred Bear only goes so long,
2: brother. <laughs> we're not all into the bow and scene. Here's why I wanted to run this one by you because I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. Oh, yeah. And this before I graduated high school, so it had to be been either 81 or 82 it could have been as early as 80 I don't remember you can look it up on the computer when Off the Wall came out to me that was Michael Jackson's breakout album you know mm-hmm. it's been the Jacksons they've been around forever but man uh, my buddy uh, that I got one of my dogs from we were getting his Malibu classic. We'd ride around the main streets of Edna, two-door Malibu. And man, we'd be playing that off the wall. And that's when I knew Michael Jackson. I, I didn't know he'd go on to be you know as big as he what was. He was ended up, yeah. But to me, that was the best album that he ever did.
3: You know, it's interesting because it's the famous story you might have heard is that when Off the Wall came out, it was snubbed by the Grammys. They didn't give him any awards, and he got so mad. He said, okay, I'm going to make the best album of all time. And he sent out kind of a, a message to all the big songwriters, send me your best stuff. And he got all these cool songs, but he still wanted a couple more, so he, he wrote Bill, Billie Jean and Beat It. Even with all the best songwriters in the world sending in their best album, the best material, he still wrote the two best songs himself. And then when that album came out, of course, it became what it was. But he did that out of spite towards the grammy nomination committee because they didn't give him any awards for that
2: man that's interesting to see how driven that guy was back in the day but man when i look at the music business now steve ray vaughn is one of my favorite musicians of all time and probably my favorite guitar player it, it blues anything i just mm-hmm. love Stevie ray vaughn but as far as rock and roll or our music stars elvis presley and michael jackson and I got to give Prince respect because I love Prince, and he was super talented. As you know, he could do anything and everything. Mm-hmm. But man, Elvis and Michael Jackson—I don't know that there were two ever big, bigger stars in music than that. But you've been around more than me in the music no, scene. No, there's not.
3: I mean, you, you, it's 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 Michael. It's Elvis. It's the Beatles. But the Beatles—the oh, yeah, yeah. Beatles were a gang. Yeah. Elvis and Michael Jackson were on their own. You know, can you imagine? That's why people bag on those guys Elvis died on the toilet or Michael Jackson was trying to make himself white. Can you imagine being in that position, the most famous person in the entire world? Everybody knows you. How do you even walk around? How can you even... I remember I was with... uh, uh, What's his name? He was the big, tall giant from WCW. Uh, Giant Gonzalez was his name in WWE he was so tall. He couldn't even walk in Japan without people like everywhere he went, people staring, people want to talk to him. I'm sure big show goes through it. Now imagine if you were that times a million, the most famous person on the planet, how could you survive? How could you do anything? Here's a funny thing.
2: Every now and then people say, look at me and I say, man, don't you ever get tired of that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's yeah. A couple of autographs here <laughs> and there. Let me tell you something, mister. When Michael Jackson stepped out of a car, there was probably a, a thousand or 15 yeah. uh, light bulbs there right. in the form of cameras i mean every single time that guy did anything so that i mean in elvis but i mean in more modern times michael jackson and to watch that guy perform on stage, just that slight build of his, mm-hmm. dude, nobody's ever been a better performer on stage mm-hmm. than that guy. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong, Prince was badass, yeah. but in a different way. I just I just thought Michael Jackson was awesome. And when you bring up the Beatles, it's funny because I miss the Beatles. You know, I didn't really get them. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of past that stage. I mean, well, I wouldn't pass it, I just wasn't into you it. You get it, yeah. But these days, now I'm like, And when you hear about what a great bass guitarist, you know, everybody (laughs) says Paul McCartney is. I'm like, okay, now I get it. Or the the, the lyrics of Mm -hmm. Lennon or McCartney Mm -hmm. or this, that, or whatever. And when you've got musician after musician after musician, it's almost like being under the Bill Belichick coaching tree. (laughs) It's like, you know... Almost everybody in music today got somebody every single person Absolutely. got
3: at least something from the Beatles. Absolutely. When I first got into heavy metals because I was a big Beatles fan in elementary school and when I went to junior high school all the girls that I liked were wearing Aussie shirts and Judas Priest shirts and it wasn't cool to like the Beatles then. So I thought if I'm ever going to get a date I got to try some of this out. So I went and bought Ozzy Blizzard of Oz and I listened to it. It starts with, I don't know, it goes into crazy, trip, but the third song is called Goodbye to Romance. Yep. It's a Beatles song. And that's when I got it. Like, it's not a cover, but it's very Beatles influenced. Right. I was like, this guy loves the Beatles. I can see it from a mile away. And, then, and people wouldn't believe me. Like, oh yeah, I was, bullshit. Ozzy wouldn't like the Beatles. It's a Beatles song. Wow. And that's when I started raising Beatles are influencing everybody at this point in time, you know?
2: I even saw an interview, I think, when, uh, god dang, uh, Lemmy put Mm -hmm. over the Beatles. And then Lemmy's like the god of metal, right? (laughs) Or speed metal, whatever you want to call it. I mean, like when when, Lemmy puts over anything.
3: He loved Chuck Berry. You know, He always said the Motorhead's a rock and roll band. And that's what they were. They were an amped up rock and roll band, not a heavy metal band. It was just a fast, heavy blues band, like you said. What was the first album that you ever bought?
2: I can't remember the the vinyl, mm. but I can remember uh, getting my. Man, it might have been. I don't know if I even bought too many uh, albums, but my first, first eight th- track tape that I bought, because I bought it, I never forget I bought it, is J C Penney or Sears, because <laughs> I had one of those escalators. And, dude, as Stone Cold Steve Austin, I was the toughest some bitch in the history of that company. I'd stomp a mud hole in you, walk it dry. But back in the day, I was deathly afraid of getting on an escalator. <laughs> We'd be going down. My mom would be going down. I'd be like doing that backpedal thing like I, I, I'm trying to time it. You might know like be on a playground and you're trying to time a jump rope? I'm <laughs> like, and then you got to grab two rubber gimmicks? That time it scared the shit out of me. So anyway, uh, we, we, it was, uh, I remember we went on a Sunday, and back in the day you used to have a blue law. Well, you couldn't buy that kind of stuff on uh, a Sunday because it was a religious day. Really? Absolutely, in Texas. You couldn't
3: buy records? or Yeah,
2: certain things you just couldn't buy. It was the weirdest thing in the world. Straight up shoot anyway but I remember taking my hard on money and the first 8 track I bought was Earth Wind and Fire and it was the, the album I don't remember what it's called uh, but it had Serpentine Fire on it okay. for some reason dude I just love Serpentine Fire
3: <laughs> how, about, how, how ridiculous was an 8 track
2: oh when you think now yeah flat out especially when it changed tracks in the middle of a song and it faded out and it clicked <laughs> over and it faded back in but yeah. back in you know you didn't know any better yeah these days if you had to go that system you say this is the drizzling shits
3: <laughs> I remember a couple years ago Cheap Trick put on an album they put it on an 8 track because they said no matter how many we sell we're going to have the highest selling 8 track of the year <laughs> I was like, how could you even play it it's like that's not the point you just get yeah. it because I was the same my dad had a bunch of 8 tracks and the first one I I can remember was um there was a Beach Boys album called Summer Fun. It was the greatest hits album on A Track, and he also had Beatles Let It Be. And that's what I listened to. Like you said, it was program one, program two, program three, program four, fading in and out, all that sort of stuff. Yeah.
2: Man, uh what was that band? Oh Beach Boys mm-hmm. God dang, dude. I used to have this uh this little gimmick, you know this little gimmick, uh... A track players, you could, you know. Like a
3: boombox? Yeah, like a boombox. Yeah, like boom we called them ghetto blasters.
2: Dude, yeah, man, the Beach Boys,
3: I was on. Mm-hmm. The Beach Boys were awesome. Great harmonies, great tunes. You could, you could put together like 30 great Beach Boys songs and you would know them. I know, but the thing
2: about it is when you listen to the Beach Boys too much, I mean, fun, 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 tell your daddy. A, I mean, <laughs> you listen to that shit too much, yeah, like you want to punch a son in the mouth. <laughs> but but in, in a proper dose, it was good. Yeah, you're not always
3: having fun, yeah. okay? It's not always fun. Are you looking up some tunes
2: there? I'm looking up some tunes just because as I was working out today, I knew you wanted to talk a little bit about music, and this is on Boston Radio uh, I don't know if you remember Couldn't Get It Right by the Climax Blues Band.
3: Wow, couldn't get it right. Yeah, I didn't mean, get that,
2: it was, right. that was a good tune. <laughs> in our, oh, here, here's one. I don't know if you remember a band called Firefall. Uh-huh. You are the woman.
3: Oh, uh, you are the woman, woman that, that I've always dreamed of. Okay, so here's I thing. knew it from the star. So Rich Ward, who uh, you know yeah, Rich, yeah. Chick Fozzie, he loved That's his favorite type of music, is yeah. all of that sort of stuff, the yacht rock from the 70s. So he will. Listen to that nonstop and sing it nonstop, then go on stage and lay down some heavy ass, amazing rock and roll riffs. Interesting how that works. Yeah. Here's another one. Do you remember a guy named Paul Davis? What did he sing? Cool night. Oh, it's gonna be
2: a cool night. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Then I, yeah, then I was in Long Beach talking to uh, C.T. Fletcher. But that's just, uh, you know, some of the things that do. And like every now and then, I'll just, uh, I'll start, I'll just hit my picture button on my iPhone, go like. I'm going to download that album. Mm-hmm. So you it's just it. some of that old shit.
3: Well, and it's because it, like I said, a good song is a good song. No matter how uh, soft rock, hard rock, it's a good melody that you remember.
2: I need to, uh, I need to find out. Dude, do, do you ever listen to the radio?
3: Uh, well, because Judas, our song, was, was was on the radio, I would listen to it on Octane, but it's not something I put on all the time because I find a lot of it's very similar to the others.
2: Man, I, if I want to uh, you know, buy it, like I just, uh, Luke Bryan was on my show a couple of weeks ago, so I downloaded How a couple he? of his albums. Oh, he's awesome. He's great. Well, the thing about it was, I told him, uh, you know, Stacy set it up for me. Mm. I said, uh, he, she said, he's got an hour. He's promoting his new album. I said, yeah, I know, he's got a new album. I said, I dig it and uh I did said, he come to gimmick street no 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 had to to I, I had to yeah, go yeah, over yeah, there yeah. and uh, i said but i ain't driving across town ask him no wikipedia questions i just want to talk hunting and football and we'll promote the album mm-hmm. she said fine he, he's, he's cool with that so dude literally when the, when the podcast started rolling he saw a picture chris and i both have the same kind of dogs a black lab and a silver lab yeah well he's in the labs because he's a big hunter so he saw a picture of my dog on the phone, and we start talking. we're rolling sound. We're talking about dogs, and then we're talking about God. Dang, it's a hell of a time to release an album. You got a—it's deer season. Have you have you had a chance to get in the stand yet? <laughs> so it was cool because. We got a chance to talk about one of his passions, mm-hmm. and
3: you know, cover the music and promote the album, but not sit so and go through the cut of questions. Now it gives him a chance to talk about something that he likes that he doesn't get a chance to really talk about.
2: Well, I mean, same here with you and me, just sitting here talking yeah, about this shit. That's I
3: mean, why the podcast that you and I do works. I never have questions. I never pull out a list of anything. It's just a conversation, man. Like I said, I had the idea. Let's talk about music. Okay, where's it gonna go? It's been going pretty good so far because you just go with two guys shooting the breeze about music. Yeah. You know, how was it for you? Like, so in the Attitude Era, and even there's always bands playing on Raw backstage. Oh, yeah. I know. Did you ever get a chance to meet anybody cool? Uh,
2: yeah, man. When crew played. Oh yeah. When, when Motley Crew played, man, I went over there and they were pretty down. You know, I think they knew who I was and. Well, I just remember there was a rough smell in there. It, it was just like talking to Zach Wild when I roasted him. You know, he's like, never took a shower. He's in a $2 million tour bus, but he just won't take a shower because he's a Viking. Right. You know, so I was hanging out with the crew, and I was like, man, somebody had some funky armpits, right? <laughs> but, you know, and, uh, you know, I, was, I talked to him for a little bit. But you know how it is, dude. When you're dialed in, you're in the zone. You've got to show. You mm-hmm. hang out talk a little bit, and then you got to go. But it was cool seeing the crew there. The one time, man, I, I think you'll remember this pay-per-view Triple H was wrestling, probably main event or semi-main, whatever it was. And uh, Motorhead was there. And I, I think Lemmy said words to the fact that we're, we're Motorhead. We're here to kick your ass. But the way he said it, the way they had that sound booming through that arena, the way that it captured it on that pay-per-view, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and, dude, they struck it up, and just every hair on my fucking arm went up. Yeah, And when I watch it back to this day, that entrance by Triple H With Motorhead playing his song right there, live and in a living color, one of the best entrances I've ever seen.
3: Yeah. And this is probably going back 10 years ago. You know, there's a picture, and I think you're in it. Bubba just sent it to me, Bubba Dudley, from that day. They might have played it twice. I know they played it one time at the Staples, and they're all there. And it's all the boys hanging out with Lemmy and Phil and, and, and Mickey. I think you're in it. Uh, 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 Tommy is in it, Bubba and myself. And it's just like, I forgot about that day. You mentioned it now, and I just thought about that picture. I'll see if I can find it and send it to you. Because they were around quite a bit for a for time being.
2: With oh, yeah, name. man. And it was cool, man. When do when Motor had him around, it's like I remember talking to Triple H one time, and uh, God rest his soul, Lemmy's no longer with yeah, us. Yeah. And he, he kind of just poked me. He goes, Yeah, he goes, they won't let him donate blood because he'll, he'll melt the bag or whatever. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but golly, what a, what a cool guy and what a rock icon. And Once it, again, not what you would expect. Very yeah. smart, very polite, yeah. very respectful. Yeah, he really was.
2: Highly intelligent.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. And very angry at Triple H whenever they played. He, Triple H lost, and that bothered Lemmy. Did like, you think lost, it was the shoot? You lost again. <laughs> or you just didn't understand why the script had to go that way, right. you know? What was the deal when you did, uh, just as we wind down here, I know that you had a, um, I remember this, you did like a Stone Cold Steve Austin heavy metal compilation record or something. Hey man,
2: I had this dude contact me out of the blue. He figured, you know, hey, why don't you, uh, you pick some songs, we'll, we'll, you know, go get all the rights and stuff and we'll release a Stone Cold metal. Mm-hmm. I said, like, "Hey man, sounds like a good idea to me." So, I mean, if you look up that album, I can't remember all the songs
3: on there. What were are some of the ones that you chose?
2: Uh, well, Stone Cold was on there from Rainbow. <laughs> um, you know, there was an Accept song on there. Scorpions probably two Scorpions songs on there. I can't remember right now. I think Stranglehold is on there. Uh, can you look
3: it up? I'll look it up right now.
2: But okay, but but while I'm while I'm telling that yeah. story, you know, I wrote a couple of liner notes. What each song meant to me. Oh, mm-hmm. Docking uh, probably two Docking songs on there. I was a huge Docking fan going on back in the day. Uh, and then that one did so well, Chris, that that album sold damn near 500,000 copies. Really? Yeah. That, what's that, almost
3: gold? Yeah, 1998. Yeah, almost. Yeah. No, that is gold. 500,000 okay. is okay, gold.
2: Okay, but it was like in the high 300 range. So by the by now, it, it maybe it would have hit 400. So whatever. So all of a sudden, man, dude, I made some money off that. And then the guy says, "Well, why don't we do a Stone Cold Country album?"
3: Right. And
2: so we did Stone Cold Country, and I picked those songs off the. I I handpicked both albums. I didn't write liner notes for Stone Cold Country because I was strung out from being on the road, but yeah, you know, I was able to get everybody on board. They made money, and I made
3: money. That shows how huge you were in the WWE was at that time that you can get all of those, you know, rights fees and stuff. Because this was August twenty fifth, nineteen ninety eight, by Mars Records. Yes. It was the first wrestling CD, quote unquote, to ever chart in the Billboard 200. So here's the, uh, here's the. Uh, track. I can't wait
2: because I don't remember all the
3: songs. All right. Rocky like a hurricane.
2: Oh, dude! I mean, that, that's the thing, you know. That, that that's that's the business. Here we are, Rocky like a hurricane, dude, yeah. We're gonna roll in your town. We're gonna put on a show inside a squared circle and get down the road. That's why I identified with that song. Plus, it's just got a, a good ass, badass beat.
3: A great opening track, and then it goes to God of Thunder.
2: Oh, dude, Kiss, God of Thunder. Holy smokes! I mean, I mean Detroit, Rock City, God of Thunder. You know, come on.
3: Yeah, even yeah. to this day, Gene still does that. And when he plays, I remember I saw him in Vegas. A a couple years ago, and I was looking. I was like, "He is the God of Thunder." When yeah. he sings that song, and he spits the blood. Now he flies up to the to the rigging up top with the little, you know, the 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 little cable there. Yeah. But he just looks like the God. Yeah, you know? and, and
2: dude, back in the day, you know, I was such a fan. I'll never forget when The Exorcist came out on HBO or whatever it was, and they played a, a Kiss concert right after that. It was, like, totally freaky. It fixed, yeah. And it was, like, Gene was really spitting the blood that he had the tongue going. I was, like, just totally wigged out. It was amazing. What a what a, what a what a showman they all four were.
3: Yeah, absolutely to this day. Uh, then Balls to the Wall. Oh, except Right? Good tune. Just a bad song. Uh, then Perfect Strangers.
2: Oh, dude, I mean, <laughs>
3: Just where that song starts out. Yeah, well, you know? that that was uh, uh, Shane Douglas's theme song at ECW. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Breaking the Chains. Dude, I was a huge Docking fan. Loved George Lynch's
2: guitar player. You know, Don, you know, pretty good singer. Mm-hmm. Heard his kind of cantankerous. But mm. for a while, you know, and not everybody got Docking. They weren't a, an arena band, I don't think, or a band that you just go to see. They,
3: they were opening arenas, yeah. yeah. But. I like their sound. Their, their album "Tooth and Nail" was always my favorite. Yeah. I saw them open for Kiss on the Animalize tour um, back in '84. Here's the one I kind of a little bit of a left field one: "Dreams I'll Never See."
2: Oh, dude, Molly Hatchet, man. <laughs> to listen to the guitars on that listen to song tan, 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 tan oh man, Molly Hatchett. and uh shoot was it Dave Lubeck yeah the singer he, I think he had a kidney problem mm. he died at a young age oh okay yeah but i I, I love Skinner guitars I also love Molly Hatchet guitars, mm. and just when you listen to that song ramble it's about a six minute song. But Dreams I'll Never See, love that
3: song. It's amazing how many huge names agreed to do this. That's very cool. Then one we've talked about quite a bit, Stranglehold. Yeah, dude, I
2: just love that song. I, I mean, wish you would have
3: played it for you at the campfire.
2: Oh, dude, <laughs> what else is on there?
3: Uh, Detroit Rock City. Oh, yeah. Classic. Then uh, here's a the good one, Rainbow in the Dark.
2: Yeah. Dude, Dio, everybody loved Dio. Mm-hmm. And when he, when he left us oh, a couple years back, that was a sad day. So, and going back, when you mentioned Dio in the same vein, I think of Rat. cut in at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A big Rat fan back right, in the time, day. Time.
3: Yeah. Have you heard about this thing now they're doing the hologram? No. Okay, so they have a, a this. it's touring right now. It's Dio's band playing with the Ronnie James Dio hologram from oh. a live performance. So they play live, and Dio's obviously his hologram. So it's like seeing the ghost of Dio live. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be kind of something interesting to see, because if it works they'll do michael oh, jackson they'll me? do elvis yeah. you know hey dude i don't know what kind of arena sell out but they'll sell some tickets somewhere i think so i think 2500 5000 seat venue if yeah. they can fit it in there uh uh no one like you oh man another scorpions another i mean classic. That song just hits hard and great opening yeah. uh guitar solo on that uh slow ride oh slow ride fall <laughs> cat yeah <laughs> You listen. You look at the lyrics, but it's
2: just—it's just one of those songs. It's almost like "Low rider. It's just <laughs> yeah. something about it. Slow ride down, take it down, easy. Down, and, down, you know, it's—it's it's
3: a groove song. Did you know they're a British band? I did not know that. It's such an American-sounding tune, yeah. but they're from England. Yeah. Uh, a couple more here on through the night. That's oh, an man, interesting that's, choice. That's, again,
2: that's another song about the business. Def Leppard. Wow. On through the night, man. Well, here we go, man. We just got finished rocking you like a hurricane. Yeah. Then, now we're driving to the next place. That's
3: a little, That's kind of an, almost an obscure Def Leppard tune. Yeah. You know, from,
2: yeah, but this, I, it was always one that resonated with me.
3: Yeah, yeah. Then there's Rain.
2: Oh, uh, going back to the Cult In Asbury, Berry, their guitar player. I forget his name.
3: Billy Duffy. Yes, uh, great guitars. Yeah, yeah, great tunes. Yeah. They switched so much between Rain uh, and She Sell Sanctuary to electric, where they dropped the goth and went very AC/DC, yep. which blew my mind. You know, I remember yep. my friends going, "Have you heard the new Cult? Sounds like AC/DC." I'm like that cult sucks dude it was 1986
2: 1987 i was playing football at north texas state university i was over my buddy's apartment we was drinking beer We had a flank steak on the grill we was working on the freight docks and um i think it was uh rain or she sells sanctuary was on uh mtv Mm -hmm. and it was the one where they're kind of dancing like this and there was just it it was a visual at first it drew me to that song and then it was the audio that's like Man, that's a good fucking song. Mm-hmm. But it was a visual of seeing those guys, and, and this is back when they were wearing a little bit of makeup, mm-hmm. and in Asbury with that long, straight hair, and it was just something about it just captured me. That's yeah, why it's on that they album.
3: had a good little run. And then the last tune, Stone Cold by Rainbow. Yeah, you know,
2: it's just a cool song, and kind of it fit. Mm-hmm. But also, you know... I mean, don't really know me or whatever however it goes you're
3: stone cold <laughs> yeah so i thought you thought you knew me so well yeah with Joel lynn turner uh who had a wig even back then yeah <laughs> our base player. and so anyway but that was the story about how that happened
2: a dude called me up we come up with that we did stone cold country the the interesting note on stone cold country uh i wanted a clint black song on there killing time or something like that and uh he, he was the only guy that we ever contacted that says, you know what? I think I'm a little more contemporary than those guys. So I'd rather not be on that album. So Clint Black was the guy that turned me or us down. <laughs> I respect him for it. Yeah. You know, so he didn't feel like he belonged in that category or.
3: He was an elitist. He was
2: newer, Yeah, you know, <laughs> an elitist. So props to him, but everybody else was always uh, all
3: in. Uh, last question. Who's your favorite band of all time? if you man. had to choose one. Well, on that's so
2: hard because I'll get in these, you know, like I said, um, that Firehouse. Are they my favorite band? No. But that, that Shake that's and Tumble. That's a great call, man. That's a great album. Yeah, it is a great if, album. If you
3: haven't heard it and you like kind of, it's even heavier than Motley Crue, almost the Judas Priest combined with Motley Crue, combined oh, with Van dude. Halen. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm so glad out.
2: you brought out Judas, Judas Priest because those those two guys playing guitar, uh, you know, kind of that, that sound Tipped again with Rob Halford singing. Those guys were lights out, uh, and I didn't get in them. Get into them. I mean, I'm more now. I'm more into them now than I was when that, they were around. Gotcha. Because I wasn't. They were ahead of me, mm-hmm. and I finally caught back up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those guys were awesome. But anyway, that's how that all came out. No,
3: but it was your favorite band? Oh,
2: favorite yeah. band, man. I, if I just got to go, you know, like I said, Michael Jackson, huge to me. Elvis on a cool factor huge to me, but Michael Jackson's going to take that spot. But just as a band that still resonates with me to this day, out of all the, and I haven't named even half of them because I can't remember all of them. Mm-hmm. Dude, hands down, I'm going to throw Boston at you. Wow! And, and like I said, live performing. with No disrespect to any of the members. They weren't they weren't chili red hot, and I, I love the red hot chili Poppers. But if I was going to say a, a, a band that I'm still into from a feeling from nostalgia that holds up, stands the test of
3: time, is good shit. The signature sound, Boston. Here's one little bit of trivia for you before we go. Did you ever see the Boston album? Remember the back cover? Yes. The drummer had a big afro. His name yeah. was Sib. Yeah. Did you know that his daughter yeah, is the Rock's yeah. girlfriend, wife, baby daddy? Yeah, I, I had no I, idea.
2: No, I didn't find out until about a year
3: or two ago. Yeah.
2: But, you know, Sib Ashen is his Yeah, name. Sib Ashen, yeah. Yeah, who
3: so. passed away uh, on a cruise ship playing rock and roll. Yeah. Not a bad way to go if you're in a rock and roll band.
2: Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I knew who that was. and uh, But, yeah, all those guys. And uh, Barry Good Road, guitarist. And a guy named Tom Schultz. What a genius that mm-hmm. guy was. he was out there, mm-hmm. I think, an MIT guy. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to try to wrap up his podcast. It's your podcast. But no, I'm throw a ball stage. Okay, let me ask you can I turn it around? Yeah. You got to give me one band.
3: Favorite band of all time? Um, I always go with the Beatles because I was a Beatles fan when I was 10. I'm a Beatles fan now. I've always understood the genius. And as I get older, I understand just how incredible it was they could do so much in such a short period of time seven years. Was their career think of all not just musically but socially things they changed. look uh you know they're talking about eastern meditation and drugs and all this sort of stuff uh iron maiden metallica kiss those are the that's the musical diet those are my four musical i would go favorites. with you on those
2: last ones beatles yeah. like i said I, I didn't get into them till now now mm. i understand their influence and i understand a lot of their music and I appreciate a lot of their songs so you're, yeah. I
3: gotta throw ACDC in there too, sorry. Oh dude, Absolutely. You,
2: ACDC from from a, a standpoint of like you said just meat and potatoes, badass shit and simplicity. And a lot of people say, hey man, Angus is playing the same old shit all the time. Or it's like hearing Ric Flair is wrestling the same old match all the time. Hey, nah, <laughs> motherfucker. You don't get it. Or if you, if you think you get it, you're overthinking it.
3: As I grow, uh, get older, once again, I've, I've realized that ACDC is the best rock and roll band of all time as far as being a machine, five guys playing together. It's not what you do, it's what you don't do, which is what Pat Patterson taught you and I right. in the wrestling ring as well. It's the space in between, the groove, the vibe. It's ACDC all the way for me, man. I'm
2: done. I'm roasted.
3: All right, man. Thanks,
1: dude.
3: Check out Steve Austin's podcast at Apple Podcasts or podcast one. He's one of the pioneers, the family friendly show on Tuesday and the unleashed show every Thursday. Thanks to Steve. He's such a great guest and so many good stories about his rock and roll history. Uh, lots of rock and roll history coming up on Chris Jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea. Setting sale October 27th. Still a few cabins available at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We are selling it. We've had a real resurgence over the last few weeks. It's great to see as we get closer to that sellout, uh, that sellout number. And remember, once you book your cabin, everything is included in the price all the live podcasts, concerts, comedy shows, meet and greets, autograph signings, wrestling matches, pictures with the guys, food as well. The only things you pay for aboard the ship are alcohol and gambling, but all the activities are free, all inclusive with your cabin uh, re- uh, reservation. Go on ChrisJerichoCruise.com to find the entire lineup, including Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club, including uh, the huge matches that were announced. First round of the uh, Sea of Honor tournament has been announced uh, from Ring of Honor, and we've got Jay Lethal versus BJ Whitmer, uh, Christopher Daniels versus Delirious, Marty Skrull versus Rhett Titus, Silas Young versus Flip Gordon, Mark Brisco versus Will Ferrara Adam Page versus Frankie Kazarian, Che got Che got Che Battleground versus the Beer City Bruiser, Jay Brisco versus Kenny King, and that's just the beginning. Way more announced uh, matches to be announced over the upcoming days, uh, weeks. I am going to Atlanta today for a huge meeting with Six Man, who is uh, my partner on this cruise, to get everything rocking. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com to see all the talent that's going to be on board. Uh, it's going to be very, very amazing. Make history. Make sure to sign up now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com and be a part of the very first rock and wrestling rager ever. The first of many, uh, I'm, I'm hoping. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So go check that out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com and check out uh, Friday here on Talk is Jericho. GLOW premieres on Netflix Season 2 Friday, and to celebrate it, we got two of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling on Talk is Jericho, Jackie Tone, who plays Melrose, and the newest cast member, Shakira Barrera, who plays Yo-Yo they talk about the new season, the wrestling skills, working with Chavo Guerrero, a training for wrestling, all of the success that Glow has uh, has, has accrued, and uh, so much more. That's coming up on Friday. Glow is back on Netflix. You can binge watch Glow, and then come and binge watch Talk as Jericho or binge listen, listen baby, and uh, hear all about the new season of Glow exclusively here on Talk Is Jericho on Friday. So we'll see you then. But in the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big, yeah, boy. And that's the bottom line just Stone Chris said so.